Welcome to Spin It. We're here uncovering the true stories behind every guest's successes and failures. This podcast is real and raw. We're stripping away the fluff and the perfectly manicured bios to get a glimpse into what it takes to be truly successful. What is your measurement of success? I'm your host, Stephanie Malik. I'm a global business consultant, coach, and crisis expert. So to say I have heard it all before is an understatement. I've seen people flip their world upside down with the slightest error in judgment, only to spin it into their most crucial and defining moment of success. On Spin It Podcast, I'm chatting with high achieving executives, athletes, and entrepreneurs to understand how they have turned their failures into fuel to help them grow themselves and their businesses. I want my guests inspiring stories of truth and authenticity to engage and impact you. We're here giving you real stories behind the headlines and to give you a glimpse of the messy reality that is success. Whether it's a hidden addiction, business scandal, an abusive family, a debilitating illness, or simply just navigating life's hardest days, we want you to learn from our mistakes. Life is all in how you spin it. Today, I'll be speaking to Belinda Agnew, the woman with a unicorn emoji next to her name on LinkedIn. She's a managing partner at both Focus Group, a unique recruitment agency, and Anamis, a full-service marketing and branding boutique. She is a driven woman who started her first job at 16 years old, selling vacuum cleaners door-to-door in Australia. From there, she moved up the ranks in the sales world and would eventually go on to start her own business, Open Education. After four successful years, Belinda was ready for a new challenge, so she left the company and moved to Melbourne, where she went on to start Focus Group. I am so excited to talk with Belinda today about her struggles to find her niche, navigating the lonely, lonely world of being an entrepreneur, and how she built so many successful companies. Hey, Belinda, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you on the show. I'm excited after all the quick chaos this morning we had. <laughs> the time difference, I blamed on the time difference. <laughs> yes, but you know what? We pulled through it thanks to our wonderful producer, Jenna, and we are so happy to have you on the show. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. I had a completely different format set up for this show. But then I started reading some of your recent posts and you have so many things going on new with you. I want to kind of skim through your childhood and talk about where you are right now. But I also want to talk about the foundational piece. So talk to me a little bit about your childhood because I know that you deem yourself as kind of the black sheep of the family. Oh my gosh, you did your research. (laughs) I did. I did. I did. In fact, the fact that your mother was Spanish, I believe. I'm sorry, your father was Spanish. Yes, yes. Yes. And your mother is Australian. And that you really had no desire at all. Entrepreneurship was not in your younger years and you didn't have any desire to do it. So talk to me about being the black sheep. What did that look like? Oh my gosh. So my child, like me right now, to the child that I was, you would completely different people. I was the shy kid playing with her hands in the corner of like the rooms. Like I'd be really far away from people or I'd be latched onto my mom's leg. Like I'd be just so scared of everything of people. When people would talk to me, I couldn't reply. I was just so not confident. I had zero confidence growing up. And then I became like the tomboy. So I had like a really ugly, crazy period where people would bully me and like all that crazy stuff. As you would know, you've got kids and you're a mom. Um, so I was put down a lot, not only from like 
my friends, like bullies, like even teachers, they were just like, you're not going anywhere. Like they had no faith in me at all. I was just like the kid that everybody was like, yeah, she's, she's going to get knocked up and she's just going to have nothing going for her life. And she's going to end up on like the doll or something like that. Literally that was like my growing up. Yeah. It was so intense. So, and then I think when I got to high school, I started to wear makeup and I started to like, you know, do certain girly stuff. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm actually quite good looking. <laughs> and then I kind of... You you actually that. found a mirror and looked in it? <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Like I'm kind of cute, you know? <laughs> and that. then I think I started to get like a lot of attention, like overwhelming attention from boys and, and girls. And then I became like the, the popular kid. It was really weird. So... It was like from bullied to like popular. And then I think from that period, I really grew my confidence a ton. And then throughout the whole period, by the way, so my mom's a single mom. I got brought up by a single uh, mom. She, you know, was like a waitress at a restaurant growing up. So she had her business at one stage, but majority of the time, like, God bless her. I love my mom to death, but she's not the smartest tool out there when it comes to business or just life hacks or anything. I couldn't really look up to my mom. She wasn't the best role model for me. And I tell her this now, I'm really open about it. And she agrees. She still gets upset about it, but yeah, she wasn't the greatest role model. However, her and I now are really close because of it. But if it wasn't for my mom, I swear to you, I would never have the grit that I have today. Like I just, every time I get thrown down and like rolled around in dirt and like thrown off a bridge, like the craziest things, I would just like get back up and just like wipe myself off like nothing happened. And they're like, how are you so like blasé? Like all my relationships, like how are you so blasé about what just happened? And I'm like, it's life, you know, you just got to keep going. <laughs> so if it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't have never had the grit that I had. I probably would have given up business years ago. But yeah, that was kind of like a mini childhood segment. <laughs> so so do you have, do you have siblings? No, only child. Oh, wow. So not only having that, but then having the pressure of being the only child. Yeah. That must have been. I didn't know my a... dad. Didn't know my oh. dad either. Yeah. So no clue who he was. He like left when I was a baby. He actually came into the hospital and said to my mom when she was pregnant, she was 17 at the time when she had me. And he was like, I'm not ready to have this baby. You have to choose me or the baby. And my mom's like, of course, like, by the way, this is like the love of her life. This guy, they were engaged, everything. And she was like, of course, my child. So yeah, my mom was homeless. She, like she had me when I was a baby. She was homeless, living in like a a woman um, homeless shelter for like months on end. She was living out of people's uh, rooms as well for like a really long period of time. So my mom did it really tough, you know. So yeah, <laughs> crazy. Wow, that's story. incredible. That's and so even though your mom didn't have the skills to teach you business or entrepreneurship, just the overall grit and tenacity that she had. So Belinda. I have kids, okay? And, I, and my, my three oldest are all over 17. So I had my first child at 22 and was quickly divorced after that. And I had a lot of those same circumstances, a lot of them. But I was 22. I wasn't 17. Mine was really bad. But 17, to be able to say, I'm not choosing you and I'm choosing my daughter and then to go through all that she did while she didn't have the business structure 
what an amazing testament to who she was as a mom for you. What a str- Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, like when I was younger, we weren't really close. So I actually hated my mom at the time for periods of time because I was like, you're such a bad mom. Like you don't know how to like do anything. Like she just wasn't a mom. Right. And then when I grew up, I was like, you know what? I thank you so much for like putting me in those situations and making me clean, making me cook, making me literally do everything because I wouldn't be the person I am today. So Wow. Kudos to your mom. So when I was reading all of this research, I was very happy because I was like, I very often don't get to really interview somebody who has a very similar background to me. My background is so insane and it's crazy. And I remember skimming down and looking at, you made six figures by the time you were 25. And I was like, oh my gosh, me too. So from vacuum sales, door to door, literally, literally literally door to door. (laughs) So tell me about, tell me about your pitch, Belinda. What was your pitch, Belinda? Door to door vacuum. You know, I can't even remember what I said. I think I was just like so persistent. Because in my head, I was like, I have to get this lead. I have to get this sale. I have to get this appointment. Just like, let me come. I think it was just like, let me come and look, if it's not for you, then so be it. But let me just come and like demonstrate how amazing this vacuum cleaner is. I think I was just like more about like, let me just show you, right? Because I can't tell you like how much it is now because it was like three and a half thousand dollars, this vacuum cleaner, by the way. So it was like the so, Hoover, Hoover vacuum cleaner? Yeah, it was. I think That's so. crazy. That's yeah, because so, so those are the I really was, expensive ones that they knock on the door and yes, they that's don't what leave. I was doing. <laughs> that's what I was doing. That's literally that was me. <laughs> I was like sixteen or something, and I think that's when I found that I was really good at sales, and I was like the top performer. And um, I was I had to like demonstrate the vacuum cleaner to multiple door to door people. And I was like the youngest there. Everyone was like, you know, 25, 30. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like so shy too. (laughs) And I'm like, I can only do this to one person, not like 40 people in a room. (laughs) Wow. So, so so when you were going through this, Belinda, and you were 16, that's so, so young. You were going through this and you were this, this iconic vacuum salesperson. Tell me what was happening. (laughs) Iconic. You were iconic. You were iconic. Um, What was different about your sales pitch or who you were? Because obviously, so many people were so much older, maybe had been with the company for so much longer. Why you? Like, what was different about your pitch or who you were and how you were showing up? I think I just didn't give up. Like, I just wouldn't take no for an answer. Like, I know that sounds so generic, but that was literally it. I just didn't take no for an answer. And whatever I said, I was curious. Like I was so curious about everybody and everything. And I was always asking questions and I was like, Oh, why are you selling like that? Or why are you adding this to your sale? I would always be really curious about things. So I think it was curiosity and not giving up and backing myself. Three of those things. Amazing. (laughs) So at 16, where were you living? So I was living with my mom still. And then I moved out, I think that same year. And I ended up rooming with one of my mentors. So I lived with his family actually for about a year to two years. And I ended up moving out on my own after that. So this is kind of where it all happened for me. This guy was literally my, I guess, father, best friend, friend in one. He was like around 50 years old. He was a forex currency trader. He made his own bot. He was super successful. His kids were, didn't care. They were on drugs. Like, you know, like, a lot of, you know, you see these wealthy families and a lot of their kids turn crazy. Yeah. So 
he was trying to teach his kids. So he was like, you know what? He latched on to me. He's like, I'm going to teach you everything I know because my kids don't give a shit. They take me as a joke. So I didn't. I was like, you know what? I actually just want to sit next to you in your office, home office. I just want to learn everything. So I literally learned a ton of him in the year. Um, I was like in a, what do you call those like school camps, like a mini business school camp <laughs> for, for 12 months living with him. And um, yeah. And then I think after that, I ended up moving out. I started my business or so I worked for a company for a bit, started my business. Somebody seen me from the business, took me under their wing. They're like, I'm going to start a business with you. Let me invest. I was like, perfect. Started that business. Um, that went for four years, went, you know, quite well, um, a lot of learnings, but spent a lot of money because I didn't know, I didn't never seen money before ever. And, um, I was making a lot of it fast. And as you know, like somebody that sees money for the first time, what did I do? I spent it. <laughs> so I was like flying first class. I was like in New York city for three months. I spent, I remember like, it was just insane. I was doing everything and anything. So yeah, had those learnings <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a crazy ride ever since. So right now thinking about that time, because it's always interesting to reflect, like especially as 18 gets further and further away from where I am, I often think about kind of how things have changed. Right now, meeting your 18-year-old self with the experiences that you've had, what would be one thing that you would say, don't ever do this? I think a lot of people in my previous, I guess, conversations I have with people, I would say something. But now I don't think I would say anything to myself. I'll tell you why. Because I think if I said a lot of things, 18-year-old me would not listen. <laughs> I would have to go through the experiences to learn. And it's just we're humans. Like you could tell me a lot of things that I don't know. And I could tell you a lot of things that you don't know. That's really crucial and critical for our lives. And evolving as evolving as people, but we probably won't listen to each other like fully, like we'll listen, but we won't really execute it. Right. So we need to go through it to actually learn fully. So you wouldn't believe we've had so many um, leaders on this podcast and it's fairly new and every single leader says the same thing. I wouldn't tell my 18 year old self anything because I wouldn't want to end up in a different spot than I am right now. It's so interesting, but the ones that maybe are a little younger, they've got a list of things. I wouldn't do this or I wouldn't do that. Or you know what? I would handle this differently. Um, as we get older, more successful, a little bit more evolved. And what I mean by successful, I mean, it, whatever your measurement of success is, people say, I wouldn't change anything along my journey. And I think that's amazing looking where you came from a very, very young mom into being so angry at, at her not really having the skill set or the tool set to actually guide you through any sort of business into door-to-door vacuum sales, into finding an incredible mentor who really latched onto you. But again, he latched onto you for his purposes because his kids weren't performing. You just happened to be the beneficiary of that. So I was reading that, that you have come out and said not once or twice, but several times that an employee you are not that employee does not fit you at all. But then you were a little confused because entrepreneurship really wasn't your thing. Talk to me about those differences. Yeah. So I don't know if I would say I'm an entrepreneur because I feel like everybody's doing similar things. Obviously, you know, there's things that I've done that have innovated certain, I guess, projects, but 
I wouldn't say, I just don't like the word entrepreneur, if I'm honest. I just, I don't know. I just feel like everybody's like, I'm a founder, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a this, I'm a, it's just like, I think I execute really well in marketing and sales and growth hacks of any type of business. My niche is technology. I love everything tech, but I would say I would love to be an employee, to be honest, I would, but I just cannot hold the title of an employee because I get really bored easy. I get itchy feet and I can't stay in one spot for a long period of time. I don't know if it's like a bad thing or a good thing. I'm hoping that it's a good thing because it's led me to here, but yeah, I just cannot stay. Hence why I'm very similar to Brian. He's obviously started much younger than, you know, he's much more experienced than I am, but he's into all of these companies and I really see myself doing that because I just love entrepreneurs. I love founders. I love, I love it. Like when I'm in projects like that, I'm like, yes, I just, this is how I thrive. So I've started to sit on boards within companies that I really believe in. So it's just amazing. And I think that's really how I've thrived throughout these years is being surrounded by those types of people. And because I get bored easy, I just want to do a ton of stuff. So, and cool stuff. So, so that makes a lot of sense. So being bored. So like, so you could have possibly been perceived as maybe lazy for missing work or, you yeah, know, I not was one really of those, Always late, never <laughs> in, but always the top performer. So culture, everybody hated me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of actually, it's really funny because again, Aussie way, American way. So I was very young when I had my daughter. So I'm telling you, I would literally go in and that interview and I'd be like, I'm not going to be in the office every single day. Just so you know, I don't get in before nine o'clock. Just so you know, I'm not doing happy hour. Like I would literally like, who's this little person, like 24 years old, who the hell do you think you are coming in and dictating us? And I go, but I'm never going to be lower than 180% of quota. You're never going to have to understand where your next number or revenue is coming from. I signal for help early. Like I would literally break it down for them. I'm like, your choice. And I'd grab my bag and I'd walk out and they're like, I love that. Like, who is this little pocket rocket that just like walked into I know. my room? I don't know if they called me that. I might have gotten some <laughs> other words too. <laughs> but no, I mean, it was, it was really, and, and I remember Belinda, because I remember I didn't have the freedom to actually process it and go, gosh, why am I like this? Or, you know, is this really good for anybody? There wasn't any other choices. My daughter had gotten used to eating and I wasn't, I couldn't afford a babysitter. I couldn't afford nightcare. I couldn't like, so I didn't have choices. It wasn't like I was like, you know, getting my hair done or my nails done. I was actually really focusing on growing their business. So when I was reading these things about you, it didn't seem like a non-employee. It seemed like somebody who got bored and craved tons of different interests and almost would be great in advisory position. So you saying that you love boards is is like kind of, it's kind of great. I just love it because I learned so much. And because I, you know how everybody says, if you want to learn, latch on to, find a job and latch on to somebody that can mentor you. So I've kind of done that in projects. So I'm like, let me latch onto these amazing founders and this, these amazing teams and just become a board member so I can just learn a ton. And I've learned so much in the last two years just by sitting on boards versus having my own business or working for somebody just because you're surrounded by the best. Yeah. So I wanted, I told you, I kind of changed the format for this show when I was looking at your posts the last few few weeks. And and I, I really want to focus on not so much mental health because mental health is out there. Um, it's really, I, I, I have strong, strong beliefs about mental health. I've, I've had a lot of 
close hitting things to me around with my family and with friends. And so mental health is really important. I want to take it a step further. And I love so much that you opened up and said things that people don't open up and say. You opened up and said, everybody thinks that I have my act together. Everybody thinks kind of, and, and all of their beliefs. And you very kindly and, and you know, not, not invasively at all, but very kindly said, not true. And here's all the real conversations that I'm absolutely happy to have. And for me, Belinda, that's a real true leader. Tell me what comments you get around things like that. When you post things like that, what do you get? Oh my gosh. So are you talking about the post yesterday where I'm like, I'm not okay? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so with comments, you've seen, probably seen a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, it's so refreshing for people to just like talk up about this. Thank you so much for, for being so vulnerable. But I got a lot of DMs from people that are not, like really not okay to show up in my comments, like really just not okay. So they were like, thank you so much. Um, two of them actually said, I really appreciate you posting this because the whole time I was looking up to you and I felt like I had to, to be a certain person. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad that I could talk about this because I do get messages all the time from women. Like, how are you so glamorous? How are you so like, like this? And like, how are you successful? Like, how do you have it all? Like your relationships and just the way you are and how are you so positive all the time? Like, I just don't get it. And I'm like, you know what? That is not true. I'm not married. I don't, I'm not in a relationship. I'm still single. Like I can't hold the relationship because of the person, the lifestyle that I have, like for many, many reasons, I don't have kids. Like, and I, I would want those things. I want to get married. I want to have kids one day and I want those things, but I've chosen other paths, you know, to, to do things in my life, which is my career. And I'm like, just because I don't, you seem that I have it all together. I really, I don't, I go, some days I wake up and I'm like, why am I doing this? I question myself all the time. Like, is this really what I want to do? Am I okay with that? You know? And see, that's so important because I think the post before that, Belinda, you know, I don't get to spend a ton of time on social media just because I'm slammed and I'm working in so many different time zones. But you come up really often on my feed and I stop and I take a look at it. And it really is so helpful for me because you say things that a lot of other people don't take the time in saying. So like you say things like, Again, you think I have it all. I haven't finished projects I committed to. I fell apart on this deadline. I didn't meet. You're so real and so authentic when you're communicating. And I think that gives other people space to go, while you look like that and you come across like that and you have uncanny executive presence, you're so amazing in so many ways. You do give yourself permission to be super open, authentic, and honest. And you tell an entire group of hundreds of thousands of people, I'm not okay. I missed deadlines. I didn't finish projects I committed to. I'm a mess. Yeah. Cause it gives them permission to not be okay as well, which is why I did it. Cause I had so many people in my DMs about why are you so this? And I'm like, that's not true. I'm going right. to, I feel like it, when you, you answer know? it like four times, you're like, okay, I need to do a post. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. That's what I was like, you know? Um, yeah. Cause like recently something happened personally and I, I seen the girls, a few of my girlfriends on Sunday and they're like, oh my gosh, like you look so not be like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm not okay. <laughs> and they're like, what? I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just not okay. Like there's lots going on in my personal life, lots going on here. 
and they were like, you need to talk about it. So I did. They actually inspired me to do that as well. So. Okay. So what's next after that? Because one of the things I want my listeners to get used to doing is taking a look at these people that they they admire or that inspire them. And so you said, hey, look, I'm not okay. And you sound like you've surrounded yourself by some really strong people. What's next? If someone's not okay, what are some of the steps that they can take to kind of get back into feeling okay? Self-awareness is huge. As you would know, like it's, it, and it's really something to be honest that I'm still working on a lot. I'm still trying to really figure out who I am, what I want. I know, I, I know the things that I want. I know who I am, but I mean, really, really know. I think there's a lot of things and it's, it's a journey. There's a lot of things that you need to do to really find yourself. So Belinda, let's switch focus really quick. Cause I want to talk about focus and I want to talk about what you do with or for them or with them. And I want to talk about your new venture, which is open education. Can you talk to me about that and like kind of what started focus? What what made you what made you kind of do things differently with focus? Yeah. So open education is my old company. <laughs> okay. Oh. But that's okay. So it's, a, it's no, like that's an okay. Yeah, it's an e-learning company that I had that was actually my first company. Um, when I was 23. And now I have a recruitment boutique agency, which scales technology talent. So startup tech um, companies, anything technology, um, we basically help them find talent. And then the Anamas, which is a digital agency. So it's a digital agency with performance marketing and brand awareness, which is what we also do within technology. So tech startups. And then around that, I kind of like sit on boards within tech, like FinTech, one is PropTech and one is a SaaS company because I'm in the process of building my own product as well. So I want to, you know, get all the information as possible. So I'm currently going through a pre-seed at the moment. We've just finalized it, which is amazing. And we're building the MVP. So it should be ready by next year, March. It's something I've been working on forever. So it's finally coming to life, which I'm really excited about. But it's essentially like the Netflix for recruitment. This week's spinach shout out goes to Armando. Armando says, love how Stephanie presents her podcast. She's such an inspiring soul and human being. Thank you so much, Armando. Your feedback means the world to me. Make an unforgettable impression the moment you walk in the room with Executive Presence Elevated. This program is an exclusive and intensive online program designed specifically for you and led by me, Stephanie Malik. After 25 years as a business transformation and crisis specialist, I've learned just how integral executive presence is to gaining you the influence, prestige, and recognition you deserve and desire. Whether you're a mid-level manager looking to advance to the next level or an entrepreneur looking to inspire confidence in your investors, this program will transform your belief in what is possible. Find out more by going to stephaniemalik.com forward slash elevated. Okay, so let's talk about founding these two companies. Okay, let's take a step back. It is not easy to sit on any board whatsoever in this space because it's ever-changing and there are so many incredibly big personalities. When you founded these two companies, tell me how you made them different. I would definitely bring it down to the people because I think, you know, people are the, the ultimate game changes in any business. Like there's, you know, you could have 20 businesses all in line doing exactly the same thing, but the only thing that's different is the people. So I think for us, we literally, our recruitment agency is doing the exact same thing as I would say 
50 other, you know, hundreds of other recruitment agencies are doing. The thing that's different between us is the people and I guess the way that we service it. I would say we're more of a recruitment agency with a digital edge. So a very social media marketing front versus being an end-to-end service behind the scenes. So we like to showcase a lot of our stuff that we do online. But in saying that, I am taking a step back from the agency world. As I said, I'm trying to turn it into a product now, which is a SaaS product, a subscription-based model, where you can purchase a certain amount of things, where you could essentially get the end-to-end service, but at a way cheaper price. So literally the same thing, but just like a Netflix model. So like, you know, think of like Foxtel. Do you guys have Foxtel there? No, not that I know, but I'm I'm probably the worst person to ask. Yeah, it's like um, the one before Netflix. I don't know if you guys have it there, but yeah, it's um, for us, it's Foxtel. And that was, I think it's like, I think it's like a hundred or $500 a month. It's crazy. Um, versus Netflix, like $10 a month, right? And Blockbuster, you would pay like $30 a, a DVD. It's intense. And it's like, now you get all everything on one thing for $10 a month. So yeah, so it's like Netflix for recruitment. So I want to talk about the service because um, before I started our our human consulting business, Esmalic Enterprises, I ran a consulting firm which by the way, my second client was in Australia and was Telstra. So I, I, spent, a, <clears throat> I spent a ton of time in Australia servicing this gigantic client that was ever-changing. Telstra is a very, very difficult client, but it turned out to be so fun and innovative because there were so many different parts in the business within Telstra. People said, Steph, how are you different? And I said, we are kind of like the white glove. We are the service industry of software, of sales, of subscriptions, of software integration. So we really, people would go, oh, you know, here's our budget for, I don't know, SAP or SAP integration. But what risk are you trying to mitigate? Talk to me about what you're trying to do differently. And when you ask somebody like that, from a technology perspective, they really take a step back and they start to listen to you because so many people are jamming sales down their throat. And when you're not jamming sales down their throat and you're really taking a consultative approach, they stop, Belinda, and they pay attention. And I feel like even though you're going into a product model now, which is amazing and probably so many people are so thankful, I feel like that was one of your standouts was you actually really listen to your clients and ask provocative questions. Yeah, that literally that's it's a consultative recruitment is a consultative approach. It's an end-to-end service, right? So we're offering the whole thing of 360. But yeah, that was that was a really pain for me being in recruitment. I was like, this is something we need to solve. So that's why I was like, we need to create something at a cheaper model because recruitment is just isn't sustainable. It isn't. It's like we're charging ridiculous amounts of twenty to fifty thousand dollars a fee to place one person into your company. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah, that, ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't make, it's not sustainable. It's just You're not like, sustainable. Blended, like, this is not good. <laughs> I was right. like, it's not, it's not. And this is, I need more people to say, yes, I want to work with you. We get more people saying, no, I don't want to work with you because you're too expensive. It's like, how can I change that at a cheaper model with offering everything the same of what we're doing? <laughs> and so really that comes down to the talent. Really that comes down to who you've surrounded yourself with and the relationships that you have. Have you ever done something like this, Belinda, um, where you're building something and you're growing something? Have you ever been really badly burned by a partner or by a client when you're in the middle of creating this and it really throws a monkey wrench? Has that ever happened to you? And if so, talk to us about that. Oh, absolutely. So this product right now is solely my own. 
I have two investors, but they're just purely investors. So this is my own product. But prior to, hence why I said I've been working on this for a long time, I had two other co-founders involved in similar product, but this is completely different. And I got burnt quite easily, quickly. (laughs) So yeah, I gave them too much equity. Long story short, I didn't have control. So a lot of the things that I wanted to do, they didn't get it. We were just not aligned. And yeah, we ended up pulling the plug. So I ended up wasting a ton of money, a ton of time and effort, and it didn't work. And I was so pissed off about it because I was like, oh my God, like how did this happen? But yeah, I did get burnt. The lessons that I learned were partnerships are good, but when you lose control, that's when everything goes haywire. So as long as you have control on things, like you need control as much as possible. I'm not saying I'm a controlling person, but you need to have control, especially if it's yours or otherwise it can slip through your fingers quite quickly and easily. So at that time I had given way too much equity away. I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest, in terms of the whole structure. So yeah, learned a lot of lessons for sure. And because, you know, you would know, Stephanie, you know, we're in a male dominant industry. Technology super male. I don't want to become feminist here, but all the boards I sit on, I think I'm the only female. Two of them, I'm the only female. One of them, there's two other females. But it's really male dominant, really male dominant. So they, majority of the times, they think they know better or they try and push things on you. Absolutely. And, you know, I just actually, I'm glad you brought that up, Linda, because I actually just did a speaking engagement um, around this exact thing. And and again, I'm not, I'm not a pound my chest, some woo woo, find your tribe. It's not at all who yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Like, just not at all. Like I just believe everything should be one based on merit, based on experience. It shouldn't be, there should be no conversation about gender either way. Okay. But I was always, again, one of the biggest reasons I was drawn to you. I was in Silicon Valley for, you know, 90% of my professional career. I was the only woman at the negotiating table 90% of the time. And until many, many, many years, I was the only woman. I was always the least educated woman and I was always the youngest. So I came in very scrappy and very gritty going, I, I want to say not knowing my place and either one of two things, either I would shoot off my mouth and just you know demand to be heard at a, ver- a much younger age, or I would stay very quiet and silent for a long time because I felt like there were so many men who, you know, held an MIT or held a Stanford or a Yale degree. So they clearly knew how to negotiate. But Belinda, the questions that they were asking were just bad. They were bad for partnering. They were bad for co-technology deals. They were bad for white labeling. They were bad for market. They were just bad. Like there's no, they were just bad. But I, I didn't speak up for so long because I was the only woman. And for some reason, I believed that I had to like really hold on to that that sacred spot at the at the board table, instead of actually just having the conversation and saying, "Hey, walk me through why you feel that way," or "Hey, what what's the purpose we're all together?" Instead of just asking really thought provoking questions, I doubted myself in every single way, and so I, I feel frustrated with myself so much of the time because I wasted so much time, either getting burned or getting kind of tossed out of the room for just not speaking up and talking about my expertise. A hundred percent. It always goes back to backing yourself as well and just believing in yourself. And it takes a long time to do that. People are like, why are you so confident, Stephanie? Like, how are you so like confident? People must ask you that a lot, especially women, because that's one of the things that we lack. 
<clears throat> well, so that that's kind of my DM. So a lot of times if I post something, um, I've gotten a lot more raw in my posting. I've gotten a lot more comfortable. I'm not a, I'm not a giant social media person. I'm not one of those people that have to flash my house or my car or like, I, I just have never been that way. Oh yeah, me too. I'm not like that. I'm really secretive. <laughs> it's not, And for me, it's not even secretive because if you called me and you asked me, I would tell you. It's just, I don't really to stop and like post a picture and be like, oh, I got this great. I'm like, why? That's not helpful to anybody. And so what has driven the confidence is the connection. So for me, the things that drive confidence is when somebody connects with you and they actually share with you, they become really authentic. So you understand that these leaders don't have it all together. Okay. They really lack so many different areas and they do signal early, Belinda. They do say, Hey, I need help. Now, granted, they mostly ask their network, but they've done a hell of a lot in building up those networks and those relationships. Those are just not like, oh, I'm going to give you a call. Those take long times to create and to foster and to trust. And so for me, one of the biggest things that built confidence was just like you, constant and curious student. Literally, I'm the one raising my hand going, I don't understand. I'll be in board meetings and I'm like, hey, is there any way somebody could back it all the way up? Can you explain it to me like I'm a fifth grader because I'm really having a hard time talking about what the connection is? And everybody in the room starts going, you know, but I'm the only one that said it. And so it's kind of like people are so willing to let things skate because the presenter has, you know, like a Harvard degree. Well, if I'm going to invest or you want me to be on the board, I need to know what the hell is going on. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I literally was just on the phone yesterday to a really good friend of mine. And he was like, hey, I didn't realize you were not okay because of the post. He's like, isn't it funny how people just don't talk up and like people are just not communicating anymore. It's like we just let things slide like assuming that it's okay. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. Well, and even even taking that a step further, the people that I've talked to, Belinda, it's not that they are letting it slide. They are feeling like there are so many other people worse off. So they're not actually owning their own sadness, fear, anxiety, you know, whatever it happens to be, they're not owning it because they're going, gosh, I still have a home. I still have a job. You know, my kids are still fine while people are losing things left and right. But their issues matter as well. So I think it's just holding space for everybody to have their own feelings and kind of, you know, go through things. So I want to talk about a couple more things because we're running out of time. I could really do this for so long. So you started your podcast. Tell me about the podcast. What's it about and kind of what, what's the uniqueness about it? Yeah, so um, I rebranded it actually because I wanted to tailor around um, startups and unicorns. So startups that are literally just going through pre-seeds, just an ideation of a product that they have and um, things like that. I like to talk about the journey of getting to that point and finding investors, potential investors to believe in your idea and things like that and how does that work because it's just like basic stuff that people don't know right up till unicorns. So like Series C type thing, you know, about to IPO, like how did you get there? How did it work? How many board members? So really basic stuff that I guess a lot of people want to know about. So Startup Unicorns, I basically interview founders, potential board members, like heavy board members with a track record to basically talk about the insides of, you know, scaling a business, starting up a business to becoming a unicorn to like IPO, essentially like public from private to public. How did that happen? 
Awesome. I love that. And so, so what made you decide to do the platform on a podcast? Like, talk to me about that specifically. Like, why a podcast? So I'm going to do five chats actually on LinkedIn Live. My team and I are trying to decide in a couple of weeks, actually, we want to do five side chats on LinkedIn Live. But the podcast, I have a lot of these conversations offline, to be honest. With I ask questions like, oh, how did you raise you know, this person? I'm like, how can I bring this to a platform where I can bring value to people? Because I get so many questions about things. Like with a pre-seed, they're like, how did you get these investors involved? Like, show me a pitch deck. How did you even know how to do a pitch deck? Like just basic stuff. People don't know. Like exactly what you said. Explain to me like a fifth grader. Like it's the basic stuff people don't know. Like I don't want it at a high level. I want it at a fifth grader level. Like give me the basics on what do you need to do to get a pre-seed? What do you need to do to get an investor? What do you need to do to get a board member? So podcasts for me, communicating already, but just bringing it on a platform where everybody can hear my conversation essentially. So it's quite selfish, um, to be honest, by asking these questions to these founders, but I want to bring it live to the people that are listening or can bring value to. So I don't, I honestly, I don't find it selfish at all. I find it actually exquisitely amazing as far as time management goes, because one of the things, the reason why I started the podcast, I had no desire to start a podcast whatsoever. I had no desire to be a part of the noise. It's a lot of work. And, and I just didn't, I wasn't a podcast listener. Like I really just had no desire to do it. But just like you, Belinda, I was getting a lot of the same questions over and over and over again. And my whole entire model is based on service, white glove service, concierge service, really not giving canned answers or canned advice. And I was just quite frankly running out of time. People would go, Stephanie, you know that you can like not answer messages in your DM. And I'm like, yeah, but that's rude. If they took the time to like sit down and write me this giant thoughtful DM, and they really need help and they have worse, they have a viable product or a service, why would I not answer? And so I started bringing on experts around crisis and around consulting and business strategy. So like you, exactly like you said, what is a board member? How do you know when to go get a board member? What is a board of a direct directors opposed to a strategist opposed to an advisor? What are all of those different things? Um, what's, I got a call last week. This is what's bootstrapping. And this person was an incredible, like a brilliant mind, Belinda, but they just didn't know the terminologies. They had no idea what a unicorn was. They didn't know what seed yes. was. Oh, like they were like, equity. Is, yeah. Right. Question, like, what is equity? And I'm like, <laughs> right. Or, or what is angel opposed to series A, you know, like, and you're sitting here going, oh my God, you're going to launch a company. Somebody's going to take such massive advantage over you. Literally shock you. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and so like, I really felt the need to like have experts like you on to just talk about your journey. And I had a thing happen to me a few months ago and it really kind of dug. And it was, it was basically somebody made a comment on one of my posts and said, it must've been really nice growing up with a silver spoon. And I was so stunned because I'm so public about my mom having horrible mental health issues, my father drowning when I was three, me being emancipated at 15, me being completely out of the house and homeless at 16. And I was so stunned. And at first I got like, first of all, number one, you haven't done your research. So you're a jackass, first of all. And then second of all, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to, I'm not even frustrated about that. I'm just going to answer some of their questions about, you know, you can do it too. Because generally, Belinda, hurt people hurt people. And so 
let's have the conversation and try and have some inclusivity. Let's try and be kind in our ways that we communicate. And so I did that. And as I've been watching you over the last few months, and I've been watching your interactions and the things that you say in your comments, I just felt like I had such a kindred spirit with how you were answering people and saying, no, this is completely normal or, you know, don't worry, don't give up. That's really amazing to see. Yeah, you need to be vulnerable. I, and people always like to me, how do I get like, you know, people to like my purse? And I'm like, just be vulnerable. Just talk up about what you're going through. You're going through a divorce, talk about it. Your kid doesn't like you, talk about it. <laughs> well, holy crap, that would be like seven posts for me a week. Yeah. Like, I mean, what, are you, like, what are you talking about? That's on every platform every day. Yeah, but it's true. <laughs> like people are going through those things. Like just talk about stuff like that you're going through, you know, and be genuine about it. Absolutely. So talk to me about what's next for you. Like, what does the next five years look like for you? Oh my gosh. Well, I want to move to the States, as you know. I, 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 To be honest, as a kid, how funny, I've always dreamed of living in New York City. Like, it's like a manifestation thing. Like, even my dreams, like when I dream about where I am, I have a dream of living in New York City. Don't know why. It's just really weird. Even though New York City is not like the greatest place right now with everything that's going on, but I do see myself in the States for sure for at least a period of three years. I do see myself personally finding someone in the States at some point. I don't, I don't think Australian people are for me, like as in a a partner, (laughs) I think I need somebody more like aggressive, like me. (laughs) Wow. You heard everybody here for our listeners. You have to take a look at Belinda's resume. You'll find that in the show notes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, definitely the States. Um, I see myself for the future, this product that I'm working on, I definitely want to, that to be my full-time gig. Um, Everything else is going to be on the side. I still want to be a part of the board. Future, future in like 10 years, I definitely want to be um, a VC, like a fund. I want to be an investor for sure. I want to invest into other companies, startups, preferably like pre-seed, early, early startups. And yeah, just sitting on boards and having fun and being surrounded by amazing people. Like forever. That's literally, I want to be 80 years old, like with 21 year old kids just coming up with these crazy ideas to change the world. <laughs> That's literally what I, what I want to do. <laughs> so so when you're going to be a VC and when you're looking at these very early stages, because Belinda, you know this, okay? Early stage pre-seed is so much different than after series A or the bridge between A and B. It's completely, even so much, and tell me if you agree or not, even the talent is completely different in between those two. Yes. So what would be your three things? So so Belinda, I'm going to call you and you're going to be the venture capitalist that I'm going to refer everybody to. Tell me the three things that you bring to the table for pre-seed. So for me, the reason, first of all, go back to the reason why I would like pre-seed. I don't think I've learned enough in my life or my career to give advice in the middle of a company, like say series A, I just don't think like not doubting myself. I just think I have so much to learn. I think early stage for me is I've been through it. I've bootstrapped, I've raised, I've had investors. So I've kind of gone through all of that. So I think for me, I can bring the connections to the table and the talent because first of all, A, you need to know people to grow. It's about knowing people and being really well networked and connected across the world. 
Absolutely. And networks are completely different than relationships and relationships take so much time. 100%. Yes. You need to be well connected. That's like number one. And then I think number two is talent is finding the right people and making sure that everybody's just like an ace, like really just a gun at what they do. And they're just like all in marketing, all in sales, all in operations, like have a really good track record because we need to have talent, the right talent to be able to scale a company. So I think those are the two things that I could bring and obviously money on top of that. But yeah, so that's where I would see myself thrive the most for sure. Have you ever fired somebody? Of course, it's the worst. What does it look like? Tell me what it looks like. I think like my first five hires, I cried. Like I'm emotional, I'm a woman. Yeah, I know. People think I'm like this hard ass, but you know, I literally cried. I was so emotional. I felt like I was breaking up with somebody or I was like letting, I was telling my family member, Hey, like we can't be family members anymore. Like it was the worst thing ever because these people, like you see them wake up, get out of bed, show up in the office every morning. They eat lunch. It's like, their family. It's like intense. And um, yeah, I, I cried like the first five hires of my life in my business. Literally cried, cried. <laughs> like I couldn't even get a word in. Yeah. But people think, you know, especially being successful and, and, and kind of you running your own company and founding your own company, you know, just like I have, people put you in a different category, like firing somebody is not a big deal. It's oh like pain shaken for me, even though I hate it. Yeah. Even though, you know what, even though I know how to do it and I'm very thoughtful in it. And I, in the U S they call it, you know, that you can riff somebody, which means you can find them another position within all of those different things. I still take it very, very seriously. It's their livelihood and me taking away their livelihood. It just doesn't sit right with me. You know, like I just, I feel like I, I want to do something and I just, it, yeah, really hurts me a lot. But I think over time I've gotten better and now it's just business. It's like, it's nothing personal. Love you to death. Still want to be friends with you. Still want to maintain connection. Anything you need, let me know. Right. It's just, it's just not working out. Beneficial here. for the business. Yes. Correct. Yes, absolutely. It. Yeah. So Belinda, you know, one of our biggest things on the show is talking about obstacles and opportunities. I feel like we've covered a lot of that to date right now. What is your biggest obstacle that you've had that you've gone through that's turned into an opportunity? Oh my gosh. I think I've been through so much. So relationships would be one. I haven't dated a lot, but I've been in long-term relationships. So like when I find somebody else stay and just the, the whole I guess, overcoming to be on my own. It's okay to be alone. I think that was a huge one for me is like knowing that it's okay because when I finished a relationship, I latched onto somebody else. That was like a thing for me. And I started to realize that it's okay to be alone. That was number one. But number two, I think the biggest one for me is growing up with a single mom. I think that was the biggest obstacle of my life, to be honest. Moving out of home, you know, reconnecting with my mom, like having that family interaction was the biggest hurdle for me because you can have all the success, however you define success in your life. You can have all the success in the world. You can travel to nice places. You can fly first class. You can go to five-star hotels. You can drive the nicest cars. You can go to the store and buy luxury items. But you know what? Like if you don't have somebody to do that with, or if you don't have family members or like things to go to with like families, like events and things like that. It's really lonely and it's been sad, you know, and 
to be honest, I thought it's so empty and I was, I'm still kind of in this hurdle because I don't really have, I have family, but I'm not really close to them because as you would say, I'm the black sheep, we're completely polar opposite. You know, most of my family is actually on government benefits. Like they don't even have a job and half of them are like in jail, out of jail, on drugs, like completely different, right? Worlds. So like they don't get me, I don't get them. So I don't really have that family interaction other than my mom. That's one thing. And hence why I've always latched onto partners because I'm like, I want a family. I'm like, you're my family. Yeah. You're my family. You're my person. Yes. Yes. So I think, I think for me, that was one of my biggest obstacles of finding myself and just like knowing that it's okay to be alone and you're going to have the time, just not now, just be okay with being alone. It's going to happen. Just be patient. And, and Belinda, and, and being you, and just being you, like not changing into somebody else to attract somebody else, but really settling in for you and what what you want for your future and not settling, you know, just like you said, you're so right. Like, I remember sometimes taking a step back from my family and taking a look at them. And it's the heart for me, it was so full of tears, Belinda, because I was like, I have no connection. Like I'm looking at you and I know what the bloodline says, but like, I don't, I don't know you. You don't know me. I don't interact like you. And it's such a lonely, vacant feeling. It's so, I'm so lonely. I'm like, <laughs> I have nothing in common with anybody. Yeah. Any of my like siblings, I uh, sorry, my siblings, uh, family, like nothing in common. If you see us two together, you'd be like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, it's just so, we look different. We act different. You know, they're Australian, blue eyes, blonde hair. I'm like the Spanish, like European looking person in the family. <laughs> so like completely different, right? Um, but yeah, and that's another get, another thing is like the whole family and having kids and stuff. So would love that one day, but not yet. I'm going to be patient. Fingers crossed. <laughs> just a couple more questions. What's the best thing that you love about Australia? The people. Yeah. Aussie people are great. Laid That's back. awesome. And what's the first thing you do in the morning? Oh my gosh, you're going to hate me. I feel like this is like really bad. You put me on the spot. I'm going to tell you the truth. So the first thing I do in the morning is look at my phone. <laughs> that's not bad. I think that's a very normal thing. I um, know. Well, it's not like people on podcasts, they don't say like, okay, I meditate, I go for a walk. I, like, Whatever. That's such crap I'm, anyway. I'm you know sorry. better than that. I don't, yeah, I don't do any of that. Yeah, <laughs> Belinda, you blew my whole entire podcast. I don't, I just don't even know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry. But yeah, I don't, I don't meditate. <laughs> <laughs> what's the one thing that you've never shared on your podcast or on any podcast that people don't ask you about? Give me one thing that you want to share. I don't talk about my relationships too much. Actually, I've spoken about this a lot on here, which is super weird. I never talk about that really. So what I don't talk about is that I'm single and I just got out of a relationship recently, by the way. So we just broke up like three days ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Three days ago, we're together for a year. It didn't work. That's one thing I don't talk about. And I was in an eight year relationship, eight years, like my whole like young childhood, hence why I latch onto people. So I stayed around because he was like my family. And today we're best friends. He's my best friend. Oh, I yeah. love that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. We talk every day. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, maybe yeah. that'll like maybe open back up a little bit. No, no, no. Like <laughs> he's my we're brother. And it's like, it's totally not like that at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Last question. 
What's the worst piece of business advice you've ever gotten? So I can't believe I'm going to say this. So the worst piece is actually from the one of the richest people in Australia. Um, he said to me, use your looks to your advantage. You're a woman and you're beautiful. You will get into doors with your looks. So use it. And Incredible. Yeah, that was Amazing. Like probably the worst. Yeah, yeah. No, he he was very sincere. He was very sincere. Like when he said he was like, use it to your advantage. <laughs> He's like, if right. I was a woman, trust me, I would be doing that. <laughs> I feel like so many guys say that. People people say that like so much. Like if I look like you, I would do. And I'm yeah. like, you're saying, by the way, you're talking, you're speaking out loud. Your, your people hear you. <laughs> Literally, I was like, that's probably like the worst advice that's ever. <laughs> crazy. Well, Belinda, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I know whenever you get here, we're going to hang out so much. And I know oh Brian's going to be super excited. I, it's going to be amazing. And whatever, whatever I can do personally to help, please just reach out. And thank you so much for taking the time. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this. You've been amazing. It was so nice to meet you as well. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Spin It. If you enjoyed the show today, then rate us five stars on Apple Podcast. To be featured on our weekly shout out, write us a review sharing why you love our show. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode again. If you want to learn more, follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram at Stephanie Malik. That's Stephanie with a Y. S-T-E-P-H-Y-N-I-E-M-A-L-I-K. Or visit my website, stephaniemalik.com. I'll see you all next week for another episode of Spin It. Enjoy this sneak peek of what's up next. Discomfort means you're doing something right. Absolutely. And, and so do you teach that? Do you teach, yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, okay. I teach my kids this. If you're not nervous, you're not trying. Okay. So like, I actually am happy when I feel nervous doing stuff because I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm like pushing myself, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm going to try this, you know? And, and, and I just think like people for a good reason don't want to be discomfort, but that discomfort is how you grow and you shouldn't be scared of it. Fear. See, I say this too. Fear serves so little purpose in modern society. It just does. We have these primal fears that are based off living in the jungles when we were, you know, 5 million years ago as animals. And we still let those affect us, even though our chances of being eaten by an animal are very low. But yet it it affects our behavior in modern society. So we are driven very much by fear in our society of things that really aren't fear. You should be fearful. <laughs>